ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. All right, fight night uh, tomorrow night from Vegas. Another stack card, UFC 285. Two title fights highlighted by the long-awaited return of John Jones. Main card begins 10 Eastern on pay-per-view. Prelims 8 Eastern on ESPN and Deportes and ESPN+. Plus. You can order in English and Spanish at ESPNplus.com slash PPV. We are rolling. On a jam-packed Friday, we welcome you to another hour of Get Up. We're live at the Seaport. We are brought to you by Chase. We got a lot of stuff working here this morning. Critical juncture for the Aaron Rodgers situation. We will get you to that in a moment. Dan Orlovsky joins the party for this hour. But speaking of joining the party, they threw one last night in Dallas. Luca. Kyrie, you need to see what they did last night. Going up against Joel and the Sixers. Mavericks have been struggling to find a way to get wins. This one back and forth early. Fancy pass. Harden to Embiid. It's a two-point game late in the second quarter. Then back the other way we go. It's Irving. It's Luka. There's a good game here. Both teams are ramping it up late in the first half. Mavs up four at the break. Third quarter belonged to Dallas. The lead is nine, and they're rolling. It's Doncic. It's Kyrie. He scored 40. Mavs by a dozen. Later in the third, the lead is 22. Doncic sizing up Joel. That's a bad matchup for Embiid. Mavericks lead by as many as 25. They go to the fourth quarter up 19, but the fourth quarter would belong to Philly. Here they come, led by Tyrese Maxey, knocking down the three. He scored 29 last night, and as he finds the friendly bounce, the friendly roll, Doncic looking on. He's, I can't believe this lead got away. It's a four-point game. Less than a minute later, Doncic back in the game and restoring order. Look at him, working. He had 12 assists as he finds Kyrie on the baseline. Seven-point lead. Minute later, Mavs up by eight. Luka knocking down the three. Back to a double-digit advantage. Luka, 42 points with those 12 assists. And then one more time for Kyrie. They combined for 82 last night. First ever Mavericks teammates to combine with 40-point games each. And Dallas gets the win. Kyrie, talk to me. I just had to join the party, you know, and just make sure my teammates were going to follow along. And uh, Luca was ready for the party. I was ready for the party tonight. And it was one of those games where we had some special performances. And I'm just grateful that the work translated. Well, the future's so bright, I guess he's got to wear shades. They're the third pair of teammates ever with at least 40 points and five assists in a non-overtime game that includes playoffs. As you see, Kyrie was involved in one of the previous instances as well. So there's that. But then there's also this out west. Huge news from Woj yesterday. When LeBron first went down on Sunday, the initial diagnosis was that he would be reevaluated in two weeks. Well, now here we are. And yesterday, Woj reporting that now it will be three weeks before he is reevaluated, And so Big Perk has been up with us all morning long here at Perk. And for those who are just joining us, I've been asking you now, especially with this latest update, are the Lakers done? <laughs> Greeny, I told you this on Saturday. Hell no, they're not done. No, not on Saturday. Whatever day that was, we was just in Boston, okay? My yes, Wednesday. Up. But here's the thing, right? Well, right, right. But here's the thing. 
when we talk about LeBron James, we all can agree that he is not normal. He's right. He has these superpowers. He spend a million dollars on his body every single season. He's going to be just fine. The question is, is that can Anthony Davis rise to the occasion and keep this team afloat or keep them in the mix of the play-in tournament while he's out? And I believe that he can. I believe that Anthony Davis could, right now, this is the opportunity for him to show the world why he should be back in the same conversation with guys like Giannis and Jokic and Embiid. He has all the skills. He has the everything and more to elevate this team and be that guy that the Lakers want him to be. And he has some good pieces around him. Right, we'll see if they're able to do it. Again, the play-in might be their salvation. We'll see if LeBron is able to make it back. Big Perk, stay close by. We have much more from the NBA as this hour continues. But the clock ticks further and further with the football world in Indianapolis on the future of Aaron Rodgers. That continues to pick up steam, and there's good reason for it. Packers and other NFL teams have held off on major moves until Rodgers comes to his decision. But listen to this. This was Shefty yesterday with the latest. The Green Bay Packers are not going to make the decision before consulting with Aaron Rodgers, who either will decide he wants to continue playing, in which case many people around the league believe he'll be traded. The Jets would be the obvious landing spot for him, though the Carolina Panthers also have inquired about Rodgers' availability. We'll see whether or not he wants to play. So that's the first shoe in all this that has to drop. And Graziano's been with us all morning long, and he has the latest. And Tannenbaum has some insight you need to hear about just why this needs to happen sooner than you may expect. But Dan Orlovsky is new to the party. He gets up with us here this morning. And, Dan, I'm not sure if you've heard, but in my effort to try and do everything I can to speak this into existence, alongside your friend Ryan Clark earlier this morning, I have made the declaration that if Aaron Rodgers <laughs> signs with the Jets... I will do the darkness retreat. I'm going to Oregon or wherever else they may have these darkness retreats, and I'll do it. I'll go into the dark for three days or whatever it takes because I've been in yeah, the darkness just... for 50 years with this franchise. I'll do anything I can to put these vibes out there. What do you think, Orlovsky? I don't think the Four Seasons has that option. <laughs> so it's it's going to be an uphill sled for you, champ. Um, I'm not joining you, by the way. I'm not doing that. Here's, first of all, Carolina, I would not do that. If I was the Carolina Panthers, you can inquire all you want. I will remain adamant and steadfast. Go draft a rookie. I, I think after, like, the last couple of days and or weeks with this whole situation with Aaron, if I was another team, I would only want Aaron if the Packers told him they don't want him anymore. It wouldn't be because Aaron told the Packers, I don't want to play in Green Bay anymore. Because I want the Aaron Rodgers that is offended. I want the Aaron Rodgers that is, has revenge on his mind. I want the guy that's ticked off. I want the guy that is emotional. If, if I get that Aaron Rodgers, if I'm the Jets, and I sit here and I say, I think okay that my locker room can handle it, and Aaron Rodgers has just heard from the Green Bay Packers that they again don't want him after three years ago drafting his replacement, then I feel like I'm getting a guy that is going to have that chip on his shoulder and that emotional revenge that we saw lead to those back-to-back -back MVP performances. If it's because Aaron comes out and says, I don't want to play in Green Bay anymore, I'm way more hesitant if I'm the New York Jets. And that's changed for me. A month ago, I was like, Jets, got to go swing big. After what's kind of happened over these last couple weeks and the dragging of the feet and all that stuff, I'm a little bit more hesitant to see kind of if you, if you think the one-year rental is worth it. What do you think, Tannenbaum? Yeah, 
Damn, we could check that box. Aaron Rodgers is the most easily aggrieved athlete we've ever seen. He just did an interview where he was back-to-back MVPs, and he's still talking about Jordan Love being drafted. Like, this just in, like, you have a responsibility to have backup quarterbacks on your roster, and the fact that he was still talking about the fact that they drafted this guy three years ago when there's been about 800 other transactions, you won league MVP, and you're still aggrieved over the fact that they had the audacity to actually have a quality backup quarterback. So whoever's going to get Aaron Rodgers, be it the Jets or the Raiders or whomever, they will get an aggrieved Aaron Rodgers. Perfect. I don't know and if I'm he, more, uh, Go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. No, no I, I just don't know if, if he's going to be that upset. If he comes out and says, well, I don't want to play in Green Bay anymore, I don't feel like that, that's going to be that, the, the emotional guy that I'm looking for. If, if I'm the, the New York Jets and I want to go win a Super Bowl, I want the guy that gets told, again, we don't want you anymore. Like, that's, that's the player. And I'm still not sold anymore if I'm the Jets because of everything that's happened. I understand your point, Mike T., but I want it on the Packers' terms rather than on Aaron Rodgers' terms. All right, I'll make him mad. Anything I have to do. I, 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 will, <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will dedicate my life to making Aaron Rodgers mad if he winds up coming to the Jets. Now, Graziano, let's jump in here because there are a bunch yeah. of things that have to happen and they need to happen really, really soon. Let's walk through what you're hearing there in Indy. Yeah, first of all, I'm, I'm completely confident that whatever happens, that Aaron will find something or someone to be uh, upset about. Uh, so that, I don't think that's the biggest concern uh, that anyone should have. In terms of what has to happen, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have to have a conversation. What do you want to do? And both sides have to ask that question. Like Aaron Rodgers needs to ask the Packers, what do you want to do? And if the answer is, well, you're kind of thinking we might want to move on to Jordan Love and see what he's got and build up a young roster around him. You know, we'll work with you, make sure you go somewhere you want to go, but it might be time to part ways. If that happens, then I think Aaron Rodgers is probably amenable to that. So we're, we're assuming, by the way, he doesn't want to retire. We're just taking that off the table. It's possible, but for purposes of this conversation, let's assume he doesn't want to just leave $59 million sitting there on the table and, and he wants to play this year. So once that conversation happens, I think things could move quickly because I think there's a sense that People know what it would take or what the Packers would be asking for in terms of compensation, Um, at least a first-round pick, maybe two or maybe something equivalent to that, and then you work off of that. But the market will be there. I think the Jets are involved. I think the Raiders will probably be involved. It's possible one of those NFC South teams or more than one, you know, gets intrigued. So I think the Packers will be able to get something that satisfies them. And I don't know. I almost said something that satisfies Aaron Rodgers, but I don't know what that would be. We'll see. But, but then, Tannenbaum, that brings us to the urgency of this. And I, I want you to explain to the audience as quickly and concisely as you can, because this is critical, why they're seeing March 15th on their screen there. That, that, no trade can become official until then. But there is a very important reason why any team that is considering trading for Aaron Rodgers has to know well before that if they're going to do it. Why is that? Because, Greedy, when that trade becomes official on March 15th, the team that acquires Aaron Rodgers and the contract has to have $60 million in room just for one day. Once he's a Raider or a Jet, they can renegotiate it and lower the cap number. But when you acquire the player, you acquire the contract, and therefore, who's ever receiving Aaron Rodgers needs to have $60 million at least for one day. And therefore, even though the deadline is March 15th, Greeny, To your point, you have to work really hard if you're that team to make sure you have that type of room to acquire Rodgers and his contract. Absolutely. So no no team is going to just have that sitting there. They can't make this deal then. This deal has to take place in the next few days. Orlovsky, go. 
who are the teams that can actually afford him? Mike T, Graz, like, if, oh, can well. the, the Jets, like, realistically, not we can get Aaron Rodgers and we have no players left on yeah. our football team. Who are the teams financially that you could sit there and say, I don't think the market is as big as we thought it was a month ago. I think right now the two teams that have enough cap space, you talk about $60 million, I think this, it's, it's uh, the Bears and the Falcons. But there are some teams that are close. Like the Raiders have about 40 or $50 million in cap space. They can get there. The Jets would have to do some work, restructure some contracts, extend some people. But they have a good young roster. They have a lot of high-level contributors on rookie contracts. And, and, and that, so they can make those decisions. And, Chris, that's like that would give me a little bit more hesitation hearing that because if I'm the Raiders – just because I get Aaron Rodgers does not make me a bona fide Super Bowl contender in that division in the AFC. And the same with the Jets. I think the Jets are a playoff team with Aaron Rodgers, but you're not a Super Bowl contender in the AFC because the kind of the depletion of asset that might take place in your football team to not only afford him, but also the pick that you have to give away or multiple picks that you'd have to give away. The only place that it's like Super Bowl realistically and or bust that Aaron is at is Green Bay. That's the only place. It's an upgrade in New York, and it's an upgrade with the Raiders, but it's not Super Bowl or bust. And I think those organizations have to have candid conversations of, is the juice worth the squeeze, so to yeah. speak, as we sit here today in early March? Oh, I'm squeezing. I'm squeezing everything I've got. I'm squeezing every piece of every ounce of juice that I have, and I will drink it in a dark room if I have to. Get me Rogers, and I'll figure out the rest. Okay, we are rolling on. Much more to do as we continue on this Friday edition of Get Up. A day after Mike McCarthy took a shot at one of his former coaches, did he now take one of his quarterback? Is he just talking and not himself hearing what he's saying? you got to hear this coming up next and make up your own mind. Plus, Lamar Jackson, a South Florida native. But if you think a homecoming is in his near future, we'll explain why at this moment that is probably impossible. That's on the way. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, in other NFL news, the Cowboys, as you know, and uh, Kellen Moore, their former offensive coordinator, have parted ways. 
So Mike McCarthy's taken over the play calling and all that kind of stuff. He's going to be calling plays for the first time as a Cowboys coach. And he had this to say about the offense and in particular about his quarterback, Dak Prescott. He said, your quarterback has to be able to throw the ball 45 times in a game and win. Can't win a championship in this league if your guy can't have the capabilities of that, I believe. But having them do that every week, it's fun. It's fun as hell to call those plays. But that's not the best thing for your team. Time of possession goes to hell. Risk for turnover goes up. We've got to secure the ball better. We need to be a top five team, and that's a skill. And that comes with the lead guy in that room. you got to emphasize that. That's got to be an everyday deal. So a day after he was taking not in any way veiled shots at the departed Kellen Moore, Dan Orlovsky, does that sound like he's taking shots at Dak Prescott? No, no, but it's good to know that turnovers matter in football. Thank you for that groundbreaking information. <laughs> Man, I, I wish I had known that 20 years ago. Now, I, one, write, write that Mike down. McCarthy's now the play caller. He's the offensive coordinator in Dallas. And so he's now painting the picture of the vision that he wants or some of the foundational aspects of his offense now. And, and that's, that's just the reality. This is not a shot at Dak Prescott. I do think it's him expressing what he now sees as the reality of his quarterback position. We have a good player. He's a good player that has moments of really good play, but he's trying to kind of peel back or remove what some of the expectations are about Dak Prescott that everyone or some people think he's this top four, top five player at the position. And he's making it very clear that's kind of not who he is, guys. And this is the style of football that with him we need to play, that we want to run the football a little bit more. We want to protect the football a little bit more. We don't want to ask him to carry our football team. The contrary reality or the contrary contrast is you're the second most expensive quarterback in football this year. So the second most expensive quarterback in football should be expected to throw the ball 45 times a game and throw 300 yards and not turn the football over and win a bunch of games. But Mike McCarthy's making it very clear that the salary and the performance don't match up. And now that he's the play caller, he's painting that picture for everyone to understand. So indirectly, he is kind of taking a shot. Not a, it's I don't not think a he's taking a shot, though, Greeny. I think he's just painting the picture. I think he's making it very clear to everybody else that's what his vision is right. for the player in the offense, not what everybody else's is. Understood. But, but, just... but maybe the, what I'm trying to say is that <laughs> if, if that is the case and the way you're paint, painting this is right, which I agree with, no one ever says, well, we can't throw the ball 45 times if our quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, then maybe without really meaning to, that it, and, uh, sometimes an honest assessment can sound like a criticism. All of that said, for all of us who remember when he was calling the plays in Green Bay all those years, one of the things we always said was they never run the ball, right, Mike T? Right. I mean, that, 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 that was always the book on the Mike McCarthy offense in Green Bay. Now, his quarterback then was Aaron Rodgers, so the circumstances yeah. were what they were. What do you make of all this, Mike T? Yeah, well, look, they do need to be more balanced in certain situations. He had 17 interceptions last year, Greeny, which was the most in the league, and 11 of those 17 was when the game was tied or they had the lead, and that's unacceptable. So there's a time and place where interceptions are livable, which is when you try and come from behind. So this offense definitely needs to be tweaked. Dak did have a history of not turning the ball over, so that had to be fixed. I just think the way Mike McCarthy has handled it is awful. You don't call out a former employee. You fired him. And by the way, even though he's the play call this year, he was the boss last year. He could have certainly taken over play calling in-game or certainly in weeks. say, hey, strategically, here's what we need to do. And the bottom line is this. They need another receiver. 
They lost a lot in Amari Cooper. C.D. Lamb got better, but the Michael Gallups and the Noah Browns of the world, they never really replaced Amari Cooper. Dan Graziano, you seem annoyed by this. What, I why is that? I don't understand anything he says. They <laughs> Mike ran T the, or Mike McCarthy? No, McCarthy. I am oh, good. Mike me, T. Me Sorry, Mike. Um, I love you, Mike T. The, uh, they ran the ball. The, the, they had the sixth most rushing attempts of any team in the league last year. The five teams in front of them, only one of them had a good offense, and it was the Eagles, right? It's like the Falcons, Commanders, Bears. I mean, I don't know that the logic of we need to run the ball more to reduce, reduce turnovers is going to help the Cowboys score points, which, by the way, is something that they've done at a, a very high level during the Kellen Moore era. So I th it sounds to me like McCarthy is, you know, just kind of throwing out word salads to try and justify the decision to move on from Kellen Moore and take over as play caller. But the proof is going to be in the pudding. Either he's going to be able right. to do it and the offense is going to maintain its high level of performance plus cut down on the turnovers, or he's not, and they're probably going to be looking for another coach. Uh, we will see. I mean, Orlovsky, give us the final word. Go. If the Cowboys go into next season with a cautious mindset offensively, they won't make the playoffs. Thank you. They need to be an aggressive-minded offense. Their quarterback is going to fix what happened last year, but they can't go scared. They've got to trust him. They pay him to do that. They do need to upgrade the talent, but if they play cautiously and try to run, 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 and not give the ball away, they'll be at home in January. I agree with all of that, and especially with what Mike T said. They need another receiver, and we'll see if they get one in the draft or in free agency. In the meantime, you need to see history being made on the ice every single night. The Bruins, in search of their ninth straight win last night, hosting the Sabres. Just over eight minutes to go in the second. We are scoreless, but not for long. <coughs> Bruins, power play. Hampus Lindholm connecting with Dmitry Orlov. Blasting the one-timer, and it's a 1-0 Bruins lead. Minute and a half later, Brandon Carlo toward the net. Jacob Lauko with the rebound, and he puts it home. Bruins two goals in under two minutes. Midway through the third, same score. David Pasternak shooting it up front. And there's David Krejci there setting up Pavel Zaka, who finds the back of the net. Take another look at the beautiful pass. Zaka buries it, and the Bruins win it 7-1, their ninth straight win. They are the fastest team ever to 100 points in a season as their march toward history continues. They are currently on pace for 64 wins. That would surpass the all-time record shared by the Red Wings of 95 and the Lightning of four years ago. They're also on a pace for 135 points. That would be on track to surpass the all-time record. As we continue, if the Packers decide to move on from Aaron Rodgers, expect that to happen much sooner rather than later. We'll explain as the clock continues to tick. And then we are putting the pressure on Big Perp today. This is Sneaky Bees who's in for Hembo today. And here's the question. Joel Embiid is on pace to average 30 points a game for the second straight season. Who was the last center to do that? Sneaky question answers next. Maybe it was Park. We'll find out next. Get up on ESPN. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. 
presented by Capital One. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. 30 years have passed since Jim Valvano's legendary speech that launched the V Foundation. It's been 30 years of battles. 30 years of perseverance. 30 years of progress. 30 years of strength. And 30 years of never giving up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Tomorrow marks the anniversary of Jimmy V's legendary speech that launched the V Foundation for Cancer Research. So we take this moment to celebrate his incredible legacy and the impact that the V Foundation has had over 30 years. You can join our celebration and support Jimmy V's dream of victory over cancer at V.org slash donate. 100% of your donations go to cancer research. All right, here we go. The pressure is on Big Perk. Brian Beasley is doing our research today, so this is Sneaky Bees. Big Perk, Joel Embiid is trying to become the first center in a long time to average 30 points a game in consecutive seasons. Who was the last center to do it? You know, Greeny, when I think about this question and you think about scoring, I think about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I'm like, this is a no-brainer. But then all of a sudden I had to look and see who averaged 30. And it was Bob. Who was it? Was it McAdoo? Yes, it was Bob McAdoo. That is correct. What do you mean you had to look? <laughs> there we go. Are you telling me I'm just you saying. looked up the answer to this question? <laughs> I, granted, I cheated all through high school on tests. <laughs> what makes you think I was going to stop now? I love it. I, we actually, I, I, I love your complete honesty and openness. Bob McAdoo is the right answer. Kareem did actually do it. Uh, Graziano, the king of trivia. What do you think of, of Big Perk looking it up? Uh, his mic's not on. But you, you can tell from his face the, the disgust. But you know what? Good. I like the honesty. I like the mm-hmm. openness. No bones about it. Yeah, Greeny, I cheated. And thus I got it right. McAdoo is correct. All right. <laughs> let's run the floor, Big Perk. Some other NBA action. Uh, we showed you earlier highlights. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving combining for 82 points in a win over the Sixers last night. Luka had 42. Kyrie 40. They're the first Mavs teammates ever to accomplish that feet. Elsewhere, the Warriors came from behind and beat the Clippers. Jordan Poole had 34. Golden State's won four straight. As it stands right now, the Warriors are the five seed in the Western Conference. And then, as we discussed at the top of this hour as well, the huge news from Woj, LeBron and the Lakers. LeBron will now reevaluate the injury in three weeks. The Lakers are currently in the 11th seed sitting a game back of the play-in tournament. So let's circle back, Big Perk. We talked about the Lakers earlier. We talked about uh, the, the Mavericks earlier. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Golden State for a minute here. Woj has been reporting for the last few days. They expect to get Steph back very soon. They're on a road trip. They think they'll get him back at some point soon. They're picking up steam even without him. Are the Warriors going to make themselves into a team that we have to take really seriously in the playoffs? 
Granny, it's something about the Warriors. I don't, I don't know if it, if I light a fuel up under them or a fire up <clears> under them, but every single time I say something negative about them, like I did last week, I said their season is over. They tend to go on this winning streak, and and, and it gives them life. But if they get Steph Curry back, right? I'm not saying that they're going to make it to the finals. Hell, I don't even believe that they're going to repeat this year. But they will be a tough out for any team in the Western Conference when you look at the inconsistency from the top to bottom when it comes down to teams like the Clippers and the Memphis Grizzlies and how young the Sacramento Kings is. So, yes, they do have a chance to make some noise. Am I picking them to win it all or make the finals this year? No, I'm not. But wouldn't it be fascinating if with Kevin Durant now finding his way to the desert, he and Booker and all those guys, if they run into Golden mm-hmm. State, and obviously by now you know the history of him choosing to leave there and everything else, you don't need me to explain it to everyone. So, Big Perk, let's talk about KD and the Suns for a moment here. They play their second game since he arrived tonight. They play Chicago. How good are the Suns going to be by the end of this season? Granny, they're going to be good because they got Kevin Durant and they got Devin Booker, arguably the best shooting guard in the league. But it's not about being good when it comes down to the Phoenix Suns. It's about being great. It's about completing a mission. They didn't give up Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, and four uh, first-round picks just to be good. They want to be great. Now, Granny, let me tell you this. If the Suns, if I'm Kevin Durant, I actually want to see the Golden State Warriors this postseason, Hmm. maybe in the first round. Because if KD could match up with them and rise to the occasion and knock them out of the postseason, I think he could shut a lot of people's mouths, including myself, about him going to join the Warriors and showing up and showing out and getting his lick back from way back in the day when the Warriors came back of when they was up 3-1 when Kevin Durant was in Oklahoma City. I'm just saying. For sure. It could also work the other way, however. As we speak right now, if the season ended today, which it does not, the Suns and Warriors (laughs) Mm -hmm. would play in the first round. But to your point, boy, there'd be a lot of eyes on KD and his first playoff series with these guys Mm -hmm. when he just got there. That could work either way. Big Perk, awesome getting up with you this morning. Thank you so much, and we will check back in with you soon. In the meantime, to the NFL, where the clock keeps ticking and the speculation continues surrounding the future of Aaron Rodgers. The Packers and other NFL teams have held off on major moves until Rodgers has come to a decision. The conversation continues from the Combine in Indianapolis this morning. Dan Orlovsky is with us. Mike Tannebaum is with us. And Dan Graziano, I want to come to you because we talked about the urgency for this to happen soon. For all the fans who were thinking, well, March 15th is still almost two weeks away. Mike Tannenbaum explained to us earlier this hour, any team that wants to acquire him has to have $60 million in cap space on their uh, cap available on March 15th. So this trade has to happen much sooner than that if it's going to happen so a team can be prepared for it. The other factor, Dan Graziano, that we did not get to yet is where does Derek Carr fit into all of this? Um, he's sitting and waiting and watching, we would assume. Where does What do we know about where Carr is as of right now? Because that obviously will play a significant role in the future for all of them, including Rodgers. Well, I don't know where Derek Carr is right now, but he has spent a good part of this week here in Indianapolis where he and his agent have been meeting with teams. They've met with the Jets. They've met with the Panthers. They've met with the Saints. So Derek Carr is not, in fact, 
sitting around waiting for this other situation to develop. He's actively out there trying to find his new team. So the question becomes, to what extent is he the plan B for teams for whom Rodgers is plan A? And if that if the Jets if, if that's the way the Jets are perceiving this situation, they want to take a shot at Rodgers, but they like Carr if they don't get him, then Carr probably has to wait. If in the meantime he wants to go sign with uh, the Panthers or the Saints or someone else and they tell him, you're our top choice, we're not in on Rodgers, then that could happen quickly as well. Remember, Carr was released in the middle of a contract. He can sign with any team at any time. He does not have to wait till March 15th like Jimmy Garoppolo, for instance, would uh, when his contract expires. So uh, Carr could sign whenever he wants. It's just a matter of how many teams would put him at the top of their list versus, hey, you're our fallback plan in case we don't get Aaron Rodgers. All right, and so then let's understand the way all of this now is going to work. In the event, we, we have to, uh, if we're going to talk about, if we're going to speculate about Rodgers' future, we have to assume that the following things are going to happen, that he wants to continue playing, and right. that either he or the Packers or both feel that it is best that his future is somewhere else. Right. So let's just presume to, 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 for a baseline for this conversation that that's what happens here. Mike Tannenbaum, then what happens? You're the general manager of the Jets, which, oh, by the way, you once were and you traded for Brett Favre. What then happens? Yeah. How do you go about this? I'm running parallel tracks because worst-case scenario is to miss out on both Greeny. And this is where high-stakes poker is actually happening right here in Indy right now, which is this. I need to get an Aaron Rodgers deal done with him, knowing that I'm going to try to get two years, presumably $120 million. I have to have a deal done with the Green Bay Packers, presumably at least their first-round pick, which is 13 overall. And then I have to go renegotiate about a dozen contracts on my own team. Now, as I'm doing all of that, Greeny, I'm talking to Derek Carr and his agents because if all that doesn't work out by March 15th, I have to assume Aaron Rodgers is dead to us. And now I'm in Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo because I have to get a quarterback. And then the inverse of this, which really makes it interesting, if I'm Derek Carr, I'm moving fast. And here's why. The most amount of money, the most teams that are going to be involved are right now because once Aaron Rodgers decides it's not the Packers, that eliminates a choice for him. So while the Jets are looking, Derek Carr is looking, and this is all happening right now. And, oh, by the way, Tuesday at 4 o'clock, we're going to know about the franchise tag as well. That impacts Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, and maybe even Geno Smith. So all these things are happening literally as we speak. The timelines, the deadlines are coming together very quickly. And I will say again, Dan Orlovsky, as I give it to you here, and I would invite you to join me. Mike Tannenbaum, I know you'd be willing to do it if you were the general manager of the Jets. <laughs> I'm trying to make everything I can. I woke up this morning and put the green jacket on advisedly. I thought to myself, that's not nearly enough. I have offered and I stand by it. I will do the darkness retreat if he will sign with the Jets. If the Jets can get Aaron Rodgers, I will go sit in the darkness. I will do a darkness retreat. He seemed to like that. If there's, if in any way that is an enticement to him, I'm all in on it. Tannenbaum would have done it for sure for Favre. And, although I don't know that Brett would have been interested in that, but that's neither here nor there. Orlowski, come with me on this thing. Can I get you in the dark for four days? You're going to look like Tom Hanks from Castaway if you go through a four days of darkness retreat, okay? Yeah, uh, okay. Like, How what I hear is, I get, like, high reservation right now when I hear Mike T talk and him paint the picture of the Jets' thought process because what it sounds like is the Jets are, like, bending over backwards type of thing for Aaron Rodgers. And if you're Joe Douglas and you took over the Jets, who were, were a mess when you did, 
and you've built this football team to get to this place. And we talked about it in commercial break. Who are the names of guys that they would have to likely get rid of if they signed Aaron Rodgers, right? It was Mosley was one of them. C.J. Mosley was one of them. Lawson, Who else? Lawson. Carl Lawson. Corey Davis. Corey Davis. Okay, and Corey yeah. Davis. So you mean start. to tell me that I've built this roster. It's a playoff caliber roster. And I understand this is not a good situation for the Jets, but we have to do everything we can. And we're going to wait on bended knee for Aaron Rodgers. And the veteran leadership that I might have in my locker room, I got to get rid of. I got to get rid of it. And we're, we're going to bring an Aaron's a four billion times greater talent than most people who have played in the NFL. But there's a lot that comes with them, right? Personality-wise and care. You, you, you're going to get rid of the, the leadership that you do have, and now we're going to bring that in? Are we sure that our locker room can handle that? Because I understand that we live in this world like Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, if you guys don't win, you're getting fired, all that stuff potentially. You better be darn sure that that locker room in New York can handle that without some of the veteran leadership that is in place right now. And that gives really good me point. major I, I, reservation. I, I, I don't disagree with that. And Mike T, go ahead. Give me a final word, and then I will jump in. Go ahead, Mike. Dan O makes all great points. They're all logical. But what I would say is you're paying the Aaron Rodgers tax, which is to get an all-time great quarterback, albeit C.J. Mosley, Lawson, Corey Davis are good players. They're replaceable. We don't have a quarterback. We have no hope without him. With Aaron Rodgers, we have hope. But are you a Super Bowl hope. contender, Mike T? Like, if you get rid of those players and you get Aaron, are you a super legitimate Super Bowl contender? No, you're not. You're not because of losing all those that leadership and talent, right? You, you wouldn't be. So that's the question the Jets have to make more. Are we, are we a, a, a better football team with those guys in peace and a cheaper Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo or Geno Smith? Or are we taking Aaron Rodgers that we don't know if he's going to be here come January or February mentally? Right, let, let me leave that there for the moment. The, the, obvi- as you can see, there are a lot of things on the table here. I have any number wow. of things I would like to say, but I don't have time to do it right now. I'll do it <laughs> another time. I'm just sort of preparing myself to spend four days in the dark, which I will do gladly and gleefully if it does come down to this. In the meantime, I will mention that we got the hockey games coming up. We'll talk about those later. Meanwhile, one of Lamar Jackson's teammates. Oh, you have to hear this. If you've not seen what happened with one of Lamar Jackson's teammates and just the way he sounded off on Twitter... Don't miss it. Next. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. All right, so we're going to play a game here called What If? And it is to make a very important point. Mike T, I'm going to ask you a question. And the question is, what if Lamar Jackson were traded to the Miami Dolphins during this offseason? Because there is a fascinating answer, Mike. Explain what it is. It can't happen because the Miami Dolphins don't have a first-round pick this year. As a franchise player, non-exclusive, Lamar Jackson could sign an offer sheet with another team. If Baltimore doesn't match, then they would get that team's two first-round picks. Since Miami doesn't have one, Greeny, they can't sign him to an offer sheet. 
Yeah, I thought that was really worth pointing out to the audience. It came up in our meeting this morning. They are ineligible to be a team that would go ahead and do that. We had Jeff Darlington on here the other day, and we were talking about just imagine the Olympic track team that they would have if yeah. Lamar Jackson is the quarterback and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are the wide receivers. But in the event that he gets that non-exclusive tag, it is actually impossible for the Dolphins to be the team that trades for him. Very much worth consideration. Next order a bit. Graziano, why are you doing that? Because it's not impossible, right? I mean, they could agree to a trade with the Dolphins. Like, if he wants to be traded and he's on the franchise tag, he could sign the tag and be traded to the Dolphins. Mike's talking about the specific mechanism whereby teams match the offer sheet and then then they leave and give the two first-round picks. But if, hypothetically, Lamar was upset and wanted out of Baltimore and wanted to go to Miami, the Ravens and Dolphins could agree on a trade package and and he could end up there. So that, that would be what we're talking about down the road. Mike? Yeah, to clarify that, though, that's really rare from a standpoint is Lamar Jackson would actually have to sign a tender with the Baltimore Ravens, give up all his leverage in terms of holding out. So that's why that scenario is virtually impossible. We've seen it. I mean, Devontae Adams just last year. I mean, like it does happen with franchise tag players from time to time. In that situation, the Raiders actually had the pick to give up. So yeah, that, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. So it's but unlikely. Let's put it out, that way. Yeah. The idea of Lamar Jackson winding up there is unlikely. In the meantime, the disgruntlement that exists on his current team in Baltimore continues to grow, and it is becoming somewhat embarrassingly public. So let's show you what happened here. So first you're going to hear from the general manager. That's Eric DaCosta the other day. He was asked at the Combine about his team's inability to get that great receiver that they need, and he said, this if I had an answer that means I would probably have some better receivers I guess we're gonna keep swinging you know uh, there have been some guys that have been successful players for us that were draft picks uh, we've never really hit on that all pro type of guy which is disappointing but it's not for lack of effort it's one of those anomalies that I really can't explain other than to say we're not gonna stop trying so what a thing to say that was and and my first question was what are the Ravens wide receivers going to say about that and I didn't have to wonder long because Rashad Bateman tweeted yesterday quote how about you play to your player's strength and stop pointing the finger at us and number eight blame the one you let do this we take heat 24 7 and keep us healthy care about us and see what happened ain't no promises though tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason so that he did ultimately take that tweet down. But Dan Orlovsky, we talked about this earlier this morning with RC as well. I wanted to get your perspective. Yeah. That's that, that's a player coming out and, and, and not making any bones about how upset he is with the situation. What do you think of it? Yeah, so RC and Marcus are the ones who told me what Kappen meant last year. So now I, when I read that tweet, I actually understand it. Um, I think first of all, Eric DaCosta is not lying when he talks about they've taken swings at wide receivers. In the last three drafts, the Ravens have drafted six wide receivers. That's the second most in the NFL behind Seattle. Okay, so like they've drafted a a ton of wide receivers. So there is truth in that from the general manager's aspect. Rashad Bateman is one of them, a first rounder. And then there's probably the reality that Bateman's not saying this if he's the only one thinking it. There's other people in this locker room or in their locker room that have had these conversations that he's communicating over Twitter right now. There was a poll that I think went around this past week in the NFL, and they judged all that stuff. And correct me if I'm wrong, the Ravens were ranked 32nd, I believe, when it comes to, like, doctors or something. Their strength coach, yes. Their strength coach situation, who has subsequently been fired. 
Right. So there, there's, there's a lot of truth to both parties here saying Eric DaCosta is absolutely correct saying we have tried to get receivers. None of you guys have panned out. And Bateman's probably very accurate with his feelings. I think the reality is this, Greeny. It's been very noisy in Baltimore this offseason. Very noisy and not good noise. And now this is the second wide receiver that they have taken in the first round that could be or is unhappy in their situation. Hollywood Brown they took in the first round, no longer there. Bateman they took in the first round is making it publicly aware that like he's not happy with the situation in Baltimore. That has to have an impact on Lamar Jackson outside of the money that he's asking for. And look, I mean, Lamar Jackson has tweeted his frustration, and now here's Rashad Bateman doing the same. So, Mike T., how should we interpret all this? Yeah, I think Dan's right. You know, there's been a lot of noise that's coming out of Baltimore, but actions speak louder than words, especially in the NFL. And to Baltimore's credit, they saw a problem. They now have a new offensive coordinator, yeah. Todd Munkin from the University of Georgia. And obviously the next big step, Greeny, is going to be Tuesday at 4 o'clock. What kind of franchise tag does Lamar Jackson get? And I'm sure Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh are going to look at the situation and make sure they add another receiver. And hopefully Bateman's healthy and plays better next year. Graz, I got 15 seconds. Is there anything we're missing? I don't think so. I, mean, I would just say that, that, that Mike T's point about Baltimore thinks it's addressing the problems its players have raised. New offensive coordinator, new strength coach. Now they just need to get the quarterback figured out. By next Tuesday at 4 o'clock. That's the next pressure point in all of this. Best of the week is coming up in a moment. And then first take is following that as they're getting ready to go today. Uh, with Luca and Kyrie so good last night. Is that a duo that could win the West? Stephen A., Big Perk, Molly, and others debate that. And more. First take follows us. Top of the hour on ESPN. UFC 285 Saturday night from Vegas. Another stat card. Two title fights highlighted by the long-awaited return of John Jones. May card begins 10 Eastern on pay-per-view with the prelims 8 Eastern on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. Order the main card in English and Spanish at ESPNPlus.com slash PPV. Best of the week. Come on, man. It's 2023. Bartholomew, like the post office, he always delivers. No soreness today for me, but I have not shoveled the snow yet. Climbing into Aaron Rodgers' head is a complicated task. Yeah, Greeny, you're standing on a tree stump, not a branch. Did you hear that? <laughs> Dead time. <sighs> Dead time. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> oh, hell no. Thank you. This is quintessential what it means to be in the zone. Thank you. Not so <laughs> sneaky, Josh. <laughs> Big Perk is making fun of me. I got you, Greeny. <laughs> you think Luca plays dad ball? My dad never played like that, I'll tell you that. J-E-T-S. He's coming to the Jets. It's going to happen. My wife said to me, don't get your hopes up. Too late. They're up. That's a slide jacket right there. That's pretty smooth. That's pretty smooth right there. I like to think of myself as a fashion icon. Thumbs down. I can't be the only one who's distracted <laughs> yes. by this. Thank you, Greeny. Um, lot to unpack here. For some reason, I woke up feeling very aggressive. You've got the heart of a lion, Wendy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it wound up getting a lot more out of that than I was expecting. What a fun week, fun morning. We thank you for getting up with us every morning that you choose to do it. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you Monday, but the fun continues with First Take now.